Well, we are on week 30, the last week. Oh boy, yeah, all right, of our series Believe, and so we are now wrapping that series up today, all right? And so hopefully, you know, you have uh, been able to read through this, the book, and keep up with what we're going through and walking through. Um, And today we're going to talk about this topic that I want to make clear on the front end is not necessarily one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Like it's not one of the fruit of the Spirit, but it is a key part in all of this. In other words, we're talking about humility today, okay? You're like, oh, great, right? But here's the thing. If we don't have humble hearts, then it's going to be really hard for us to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives and to adjust or change those fruit within our life or to grow those fruit within our life, okay? And so with that, all right, here's how we need to approach uh, everyone around us ultimately is with some humbleness, okay? Now today we're going to look at this idea of being humble, but yet being humble to those around us and then also humble to the Lord and what he's asking us to do. Because if we don't approach the Lord with a humble heart, it's going to be really hard for him to begin to shape it. And without humility, here's the thing, we'll find ourselves in a place of hearing it, but then we go, I'm good, and then we don't do anything about it. Or even worse, let's go one step over and we say, you know what, I don't need to hear that, And oh yeah, I'm not going to do anything about it. You see how humbleness comes into play there? We have to have a humble heart and be ready to hear from the Lord and what he's asking us to do. So when we talk about these fruit of the Spirit, humility is a key piece to it. Now you may remember at the very beginning we talked about love being kind of the umbrella of all fruit, right? Like it needs to be there for you to grow in these areas. In the same way, humility is kind of the linchpin that holds all this together and makes it work. Okay, so we desire to have a humble heart. And if you don't have a humble heart, then it's going to be really hard for you to be gentle. It's going to be really hard for you to be patient. It's going to be really hard for you to be kind. And it's really going to be hard for you to have some self-control. Okay, so as we move forward this morning, let's start by breaking down a little bit this idea of humility. Okay, so here's the definition of humility. We go, we hit Webster's, right? Here's what we find, okay? Humility is a modest or low view of one's importance, all right? A modest or low view of one's importance. Now, don't hear that wrong, okay? It's not a low view of oneself, right? Like, oh, poor me. No, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But it is a low view of who you are, like your personal value, or it's not your personal value, excuse me. All right, but how you value others as well. So in other words, we should have this high value of self, but then we should treat others even with higher value than that. All right, in our idea of humility. So you value yourself greatly. Now, here's the thing. We talk about often Jesus being Lord, right? We want to inspire you to trust in and live like Jesus. And we want him to be Lord of our life. But for him to be Lord of our life, we've got to come before him humbly, right? We've got to step before him humbly. So when we read scripture like, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each to to you, excuse me, but each of you to the interest of others, okay? Now, back when we talked about patience, 
We talked about patience towards others can be patience towards others, those around you, or the others being Lord himself, right? Being patient towards him. In the same way, we need to be humble to the others around us, the people around us, but then also humble before the Lord, all right? So here we go. We're going to begin in Philippians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles today, all right? It's going to be up on the screen as well. All right, my computer was on the fritz, so if there's something not up there, sorry, I typed it this morning, okay? So, good reason to bring your Bible. All right, so here we go. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1, all right? If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way. Now, this is Paul writing to the Philippians, okay? And having the same love, sharing the same feelings, and focusing on one goal. Now here he's speaking to the unity of the church, okay? And the unity of these individuals and these people. And then in verse 3 he says this. He says, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. And everyone should look, not only, look out not only for the, his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, if you've been around, you know that I'm, I'm kind of on an NLT kick, New Living Translation, and I love how the NLT puts it. All right, here's what it says. It says, is there any encouragement, same scripture, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other and loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. So he's putting again in place this idea of unity within the body, unity within the church. All right. And where does it start and how does that happen? Well, look what he says in verse three. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. And don't look out only for your own interest, but also take on the interest of others too. So when we define humbleness in a scriptural, from the standpoint of Scripture, what does it say? Thinking of others as better than yourself. Right? Thinking of others better than yourself. So what does humbleness to those around you look like? Well, thinking of others around you more than yourself. Okay, you following? You getting it? Now, here's the part where it gets interesting. In verse 5, look what he says. He says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Now, so we've started here with this idea of humility towards those around you. All right, having humility towards those around you. But now, here's, the, here's where he begins to talk about, okay, having this humility, this humility must look like the humility that Jesus had. All right, so as we jump into verse 6, here's what that looks like. When we make our attitude that of Christ Jesus, okay, verse 6. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay? Now, here's the thing. If we're to live like Jesus, right? If we're to have humility like Jesus, all right, what actions do we see then here within the scriptures? All right, so the first one is this. We see that Jesus bent himself low. Like he made himself nothing. He took on the form of a slave and a servant. But what did he come from? Well, he came from divine, right? He gave up his divine privileges to then come in the form of a man. He never gave up his deity, right? Like, let's be clear, he was always still the God, right? But he came in the form of a man, and he gave up his position. He descended from his heavenly seat to walk amongst us. That's his level of humility that he took on. So here in his humility, he steps out of this exalted position. Now, in verse 7, we see here it says, Instead, he emptied himself. Right? He emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave and taking on the likeness of men. Other, other translations say by assuming the form of a servant. He became then a servant. In his whole earthly life, look here, he still and never will be anything but fully and eternally God. But yet he took on flesh. So what did he give up? All right, well, here's a couple of things. If you're keeping notes or taking notes, uh, here's the first thing that he gave up in this action of humility. All right, he gave up his divine glory. Now, again, he was still fully God, right? But he gave up his divine glory. It was hidden in his humanity, right? It was hidden in his humanity. So in other words, here he is. He's being worshiped in the heavenlies. Right, And he decides, you know what, I'm going to step away from this and do what God the Father is asking me to do, and I'm going to go and be among the people. And he gave all of that up. He gave up the brilliance of heaven and everything that it is, and he comes in the form of a child. The most humble way that he can come, he comes in the form of a child, and he moves through his life, and he moves all the way to the cross... Right? Death on a cross, which was not a pretty way to die, but in fact the most humiliating way to die. And he humbled himself to that point. And he gives up his divine glory. The only thing, and this may be a terrible illustration, but the only thing I could think of is in the movie Aladdin, when Jasmine comes out of the palace and she's among the folks, right? And then they're like picking on Aladdin and she pulls off her, her cape or whatever and she's like, I am the princess, stop it, right? And she's like, reveals herself. Guess what? That's what the Lord did, right? He came down and then he revealed himself and said, look, this is who I am. And he revealed himself in what way? He revealed himself in the resurrection. This is who I am. Check it out. This is me. And so he gives up for a moment. He hides, if you will, his divine glory. The next thing he gives up is this. He gives up his independent divine authority, right? Like he had and has the ability to do whatever he wants to do. He has, as we read in the scriptures, equality with God, right? He was God. But then look here, as we look through the scriptures and we look through the gospels and we see his time here on earth, here's some things that we see him say, okay? I can do nothing on my own initiative. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the one who sent me, the Father. In John 8, he says, I have come from heaven 
to do not my will, but the will of the one who sent me. So he humbly submits himself, though he be God, humbly submits himself to the Father and what the Father desires from him. And God the Father is leading him, and he is being humble to the direction that the Father is putting him toward. That being what? The cross, right? He puts him towards the cross. The third thing he gives up is this. He gives up his divine and intimate face-to-face relationship with the Father. So to fulfill the plans that his father had given him, he has to be temporarily separated from him. In fact, when he's on the cross, he's crying out, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Right? Why, or Father, why have you forsaken me? Because he has to break that connection with the father. Now, all this comes from his humbleness. And his, we, we, often, we often use the phrase obedience. Don't we? His obedience that he was called into. But here's the thing. Obedience is another thing that will never happen without humbleness. To be obedient to someone, you have to humble yourself to that person and do what they're asking you to do. They go hand in hand. So his humbleness plays out in his obedience to the Father and what he's asking him to do. But here's the thing, okay? Get ready to celebrate because here's what happens and what we see, okay? And let's start in verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So there is now his, his ultimate moment of humbleness. And then in verse 9, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are on heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so our final thing is this. Look here. Humility brings reward. Humility brings reward. Reward. Now, we're obviously not going to be able to empty ourselves in the same way that Jesus himself did. But we have opportunity to humbly serve others around us and humbly serve the Lord himself. Now, we saw it in verse 5, right? Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Jesus. And look here, here's what Jesus promises in the Gospels. And we see Luke and Matthew both write this down. So it might be important. All right, you ready? Look here. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. All right, let me read that again. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. So if you're all about yourself, guess what? There's going to be a point where you're going to be humbled. But then he says, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted, shall be lifted up. And James would write the same thing. And he would say, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Peter said it too. Like these men are saying, look, your humbleness is going to bring exaltation to your life. You're going to be exalted by God himself. Now, look here, Paul's picture isn't just a picture of humbleness and exaltation of Jesus here in Philippians. But it's a picture of humbleness and exaltation of a follower and believer of Jesus and one who will trust him and fall before him in what he's asking them to do. So how do we tie that then to the fruit of the Spirit? 
Well, again, as we said at the beginning, we must humble ourselves before the Lord so that we then can grow in those areas. And that humbleness then brings obedience. That obedience then brings growth in our relationship with Him. Now, I love this, this writing that I found in one of my commentaries that I was reading through as we were preparing for this. And it says this. It says, look at him, this amazing Jesus. He is helping Joseph carve a yoke in the carpenter's shop there in Nazareth. And there is the one who, apart from his self-emptying, right, that we see here in Scripture, could far more easily make a solar system or a galaxy of stars. You see, he humbles himself. And look at him again, dressed like a servant with towel and basin for his equipment. He is on hand and knee, bathing feet of some of his friends who should ultimately be washing his feet. You see, he humbled himself before his disciples. And he humbled himself. Don't forget this. This is what Paul is crying in Philippians. Don't forget this. When the slightest impulse arises within yourself to become self-assertive or self-seeking, thus to break your bond with one another and to the Father. So we want to have this attitude of Christ, this attitude of humility, and this attitude of humility that brings him to the point that he is down on hand and knee washing his servant's feet. And then not only that, but it brings him to the point that he goes to the cross. God himself, equality with God, God himself humbles himself to hang on a cross for you and for me. What a beautiful thing that he has done for us. And what he asks in return is that we be humble in the same way towards others around us. That we hold them higher than ourselves. Now this morning, we're going to go to the communion table, right? We're going to have the Lord's Supper But right before that, there was that moment, right? There was that moment where he is washing his disciples' feet. He is preparing them for what is about to happen. And then in that, he takes them then to the supper and he says, Okay, look here. I have this bread, right? And this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. And you hear me say this every time, but they didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Right? And they're going, no, that's bread. Right? That's bread. And he goes, no, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. And then he takes the cup and he passes it amongst them and he says, look, this is my blood that was shed for you. And they're like, okay. And they take it. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. But here's the thing. For us this morning, as we talk about this idea of humility and what he's done for us, this is an opportunity for us to remember how he humbly took himself to the cross and his body was broken and his blood was shed for us. For us. He did it for us. He came to earth in the form of a child. He lived his life and then he took that brutal last bit of his life and went to the cross for us all in his full humbleness. And he laid it all out for us. But then again, in his glory, that's not the end of the story, right? He returns and comes back. Beautiful thing for us today that we have this opportunity to remember that. 
All right? So I'm going to pray for us. And then in the next few minutes, we're going to come up. And you can take a piece of bread and a cup. And you can take it there or you can take it back to your seat, however you'd like to do that. But I would encourage you, whether it's before you come or after you come, that you take a few moments and you just thank the Lord for what he's done. And in this moment of humbleness, say, thank you, Lord, for being so humble to bring yourself to this place. And then even encourage yourself this week to humble yourself before the Lord and maybe what he's asking you to do or what he's asking you to step into that you maybe have said, no, you know, I'm good. I'm good. All right? So, Father, we thank you so much for what you gave for us, Lord. The, the things that you gave up just to come and be with us in your full humbleness, Lord, and in full humility. You made us more important than yourself. And so, Lord, in our daily lives, I pray that we can do the same. And in this next few moments, as we have an opportunity to remember the, the fact that you went to the cross for us, that your, your body was broken, that your blood was shed, Lord, I just pray that we give these next few minutes to you as just a moment of celebration, Lord, that um, we have tongues and mouths who will, who will exalt you and lift you up as the God that you are and the, the one that has given his life and what you deserve. And Father, for those around us, maybe that we have the opportunity to share that with, I pray that you will just give us the opportunities. And in those opportunities, you'll give us the boldness. And in the boldness, we will be able to share the good things, the good news of what you've done for us, that you gave up your heavenly seat and came here for us. And that you loved us so much, cared for us so much to do just that. And so, Father, these next few minutes, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will just encounter our hearts and that we will encounter you. And we just praise you in your Son's awesome name. Amen.